Norm Holy from WFHB, and today I am interviewing Dr. Jeff Dukes, who is the head of the Purdue Climate Lab. The Climate Lab has been very busy over the last year. They have issued a whole bunch of reports on various aspects of climate and climate change. For example, reports which are available through the internet on the climate, health, forests, urban, green space, ag, tourism, energy, just an idea of what they have done. So these are really excellent reports. How has the program impacted Indiana? I would love to know the perfect way to measure that. And if anyone has any suggestions, I'm happy to hear from them. People can find the reports online at indianaclimate.org. We can look and see how often people go and do that, and that's one way we can try to measure impact. And we can look at how many times the reports are covered in the media and who's covering them and where they're found. Are they on the front page or somewhere else? And we can look at how many times we're asked to go around and talk to crowds and how big the audiences are at the places we give talks. It's much harder for us to know what people are actually doing with the information that we're giving them and how often they're taking the information and doing something differently after they've gotten the information because now they know something about what to expect in the future that they didn't know before. wish we had more information on, on that sort of thing. We can guess that some people are doing that because we get testimonials sometimes. We know that the Office of Sustainability for the city of South Bend was very happy to have our information and is using it, although we don't know exactly how they're using it, but they, they've been in touch with us and let us know that they're using it. There's all these metrics out there that we can use, but ultimately it's a l- little bit hard to quantify. Well over 10,000 people have visited the website to look at these reports online and our sort of main user-friendly website. And we know that the PDF versions, the sort of printer-friendly versions of our reports have been downloaded more than 4,000 times. We have a, a mailing list with several hundred people on it. You can find out how to sign up for that at indianaclimate.org as well, if you're interested. You can find the reports there, the mailing list information. Each time we release a report, we do it in a community briefing, and that often gets press coverage. And we have been in the media, whether it's uh, newspaper or TV or, or radio coverage, more than 400 times, almost 450 times through releasing these these reports. And, you know, sometimes the report is covered on the last page of the front section in a short article in a small newspaper, and sometimes it's on the front page of the Indy Star or it's in the Chicago Tribune. So it just depends. We're trying to get local coverage within Indiana so that people know what we're doing and understand the implications of climate change are for them. Your forestry report was introduced here in Bloomington and the Urban Green Infrastructure Report as well. And I've been down in that general neck of the woods talking to state foresters along with Rich Phillips, who's a professor at IU. We've talked to to Indiana state foresters about the implications of climate change for our forests and talked through the results in the report with them. Right now, I think just maybe a, a day or two ago, there was a magazine article. I think, is it Bloom Magazine that you have down there? There's a nice glossy article in the magazine uh, that that just came out. uh, Looks beautifully done. It's got good commentary from Scott Robeson, who's a professor at IU, and and from Rich Phillips, also at IU, uh, as part of the um, Environmental Resilience Institute there. And 
also talks about perspectives from, from many other people, farmers and community members of different stripe, to people who have access to that. That's a, a good place to read about what we've been up to. How do you interact with the legislature? Well, that's something we plan to do more of in the future. We talked to members of the legislature a little bit about this report. We still have two reports to go. We have one on water resources and one on infrastructure. Our plan is to, uh, after all those reports are out, uh, put out a summary report that hits the high notes and the most policy-relevant points that we have across all of the reports, and then have a session with legislators in the state house in the future where we really narrow in on policy implications, where they can ask us the questions that they might be most interested in, in terms of how policy could be affected by these changes or how changes in policy could save us money in the future or better protect our natural resources. In terms of uh, funding, are you getting much directly from Indiana? No, we get no funding from the state, no. Our center, the the Purdue Climate Change Research Center, is funding this report. The center is funded from a variety of academic units and administrative units at Purdue. So we have a diverse set of funding sources here, but we are a center within Purdue's Discovery Park. Ultimately, we're this Discovery Park sort of research enterprise that is a place where different disciplines converge to try to take on global grand challenges. So we fit nicely into that category. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I hope that your listeners will take a look at these reports. They're available at indianaclimate.org. They give a sense as to how the state's going to change going forward, but they also really drive home the point that climate change has already been happening in the state. It's happening now. We're being affected by it right now. Many people don't realize that our precipitation regimes are quite different than they were decades ago. Over the last 100 years, most of Indiana has gotten about six inches wetter than it was previously and been changing the fastest and the most dramatically in the southern part of the state. Southern Indiana is quite a bit wetter than it used to be, and throughout the state we're getting more of our precipitation in heavy downpours than we used to. The implications of that are basically that we're wetter and the water that we're getting is is less useful because so much of that's coming in the in the winter and the spring in times when we really don't need the water and it's just contributing to things like flooding of our communities and taking more nutrients and, and soil out of our agricultural fields. This is something that's that's happening now. If we're using the climate of the past to plan for the future, then we're making a mistake. We're, we're basically going to be losing money needlessly because we're planning using bad data. People should be taking this into account that our climate is no longer stationary. It can't be regarded as something that's holding still. It's moving, it's been moving, and it's going to move dramatically faster in the future. It's going to be dramatically warmer, wetter in the winters and springs, and even more of the rainfall is going to be coming in these heaviest events. If we're planning our our storm drains, if we're planning culverts, housing developments, based on past precipitation patterns and past temperature regimes, we're making a mistake. We're planning things. We're sort of locking infrastructure in place that's going to be ill-suited to the future. It's just important to be keeping this in mind, thinking about how we can construct our society so that it's as well prepared for tomorrow's climate. I'd like to thank you very much for wonderful comments. Thanks, Norm. It's been great talking to you. 